No, I had a bunch of voicemails on there. <laughs> Got one from uh, September 29th. Call me back immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, well. <laughs> then I had an email on there and it says, I'm so-and-so and Kyle from over at DC3 recommended that I call you to have some trees and debris moved. No, 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 wrong new life. Downtown, Old Methodist Church. I don't know if you know, they changed their, uh, the Methodist Church downtown changed their name to New Life because they disassociated from the Methodist Church. So if they do a fictitious name in Florida, that ain't going to fly. They're going to have to change their name. <laughs> oh, anyway, so we get a lot of phone calls for New Life. As long as they turn into prayers for New Life, we'll be good. It's good to see you. Welcome, live stream. <laughs> We're glad you're there tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Great to be able to reconnect again. Amen. Amen. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're here, whether you're there. The anointing of God goes on the word. Isn't that right? Yeah. It's just connecting together with his anointing, and that's what matters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we bless you and honor you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory. You alone are worthy, Lord Jesus, glorious King, mighty God, everlasting Lord. There is none like you, my healer, my deliverer, my provider, my protector, my all in all and my everything. You are my life. You are my breath. You're the giver of life, the source of life. You are the one in whom my life rotates around, Lord. You're not a piece of my life. You are my life. And from you proceeds that which makes up my living. Oh, I thank you, Lord God, for all that you are and all that you do. We honor you and bless you and come before you tonight to hear your word and sit at your feet to be taught of your spirit, to receive impartations of revelation into our heart, that we would take hold of what your word is declaring, that the anointing would be released into our life, that as we receive revelation, the power of hell is not able to stand against it. Thank you, Father. We can do what your word says we can do, have what your word says we can have, be who your word says we can be. And, Father, we just continue to press in to grow and develop in your divine nature, conforming to the image of Jesus, walking in a manner worthy of you, being filled with all wisdom and insight, and that we would be uh, working into every good work, pleasing you in all respects. We thank you and bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Welcome back, guys. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Um, last week, we talked about uh, the church of Sardis. Uh, we started talking about Sardis and talked about their failure to watch and how it created uh, cracks in their city and how the enemy was able to come in and overtake them, even though that they were smug about they thought they could never be um, attacked or that their uh, defenses could ever be broken into. Uh, but because of a failure to watch, the enemy made a way in. So here in Revelation 3, verses 1 through 3, let's, let's read this again. It says, to the angel or to the pastor of the church in Sardis, write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, 
I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Uh, you know, we're talking about the churches in, in Revelation because we've been talking about being an overcomer. You know, Jesus always winds up talking about being an overcomer. Isn't that right? And, and in dealing with all the churches, he shows us the things that we need to overcome and then the rewards for overcoming these things. Amen. So Jesus was revealed in, in verse 1 as the one who has the seven spirits, which, of course, seven re, uh, represents fullness. Doesn't mean there are seven Holy Spirits. It's one, but seven represents fullness. And uh, he's talking about fullness because Sardis lacked fullness. And he wants to bring back to the church the fullness that they once had by the Spirit. Because without functioning by the Spirit, you're only functioning in dead works. And we have a form of outward godliness, but no inward form of power or love. There is no spirit involved in what is being done. And there were steps that Jesus gives them to change so that things can go back, so that they can get back, things get back in order in order to reach completion that he's talking to them about. I have not found your works completed. Isn't that right? So in verse 3, he gives them some steps of what things that they need to do. He says, remember what you have received and heard, keep it and repent. So those are the three things that he tells them. Number one, he says, remember or call to mind, bear it in mind, exercise your memory. You know, sometimes memory needs some exercise, you know, and um, the word remember is a derivative of the word for memorial. Remember in the Old Testament, they would, they would put stones together and all, and they would build like a little memorial. So every time they walked by, they would remember what the Lord did in that spot. And they would teach their children and their children's children what the Lord did at that time. When uh, Cornelius, he gave alms to the Lord, the, the angel came and said, Cornelius, your alms and your prayers have ascended to the Lord as a memorial before the throne of God. Okay. So memorials are things that should be in our life that we can always go back and remember, and we ought to go back and remember. The one reason that we're not satisfied in life and we're always trying to get something is because many times we forget what God has already done, and we get frustrated over what we don't have and don't remember that God never changes, and what he has done is what he will do. Isn't that right? memories are something that have to be dug up. Now, you got to dig up the right memories. Don't dig up the wrong memories. Don't dig up the nonsense and the garbage. We're not talking about that old worldly therapist, uh, secular type of what they think is getting released from the past. All they do is bury you in it. You don't have to remember those things from B.C., you know, before Christ. But you go back and remember the things that God has done for you. He's done a lot of things for you. You know, I've been saved 41 years. He's done a lot of things for me in the last 41 years. And, uh, you, you know, you have to go back and remember those things. Because sometimes, you know, life is so busy, we forget what happened six months ago. Right. Because we're always go, 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 go. And we forget 
what has uh, happened in the past. So we have to call those things to mind, exercise our memory, and get that working again. They're not going to surface by themselves because the memories get all covered over with the activities of the world. They get covered over with the dirt of the world, the busyness of life, even the carnality. And we have backslidden habits. I know you look real holy sitting there, but we all have backslidden habits. Isn't that right? Have things that we've heard that do not line up with the truth of the word of faith. So it's not always cluttered by what we call sin. But it's cluttered, cluttered by neglect. Okay. Uh, when Isaac, he went and dug again the wells that, that Abraham had dug because the Philistines covered them over with dirt. And Philistines is a type of the world, and the world has a way of throwing dirt on our wells. Jesus said that when you get born again, there'll be a well that springs up within you unto everlasting life. Well, that should spring up in a refreshing. It should spring up with life-giving. It should spring up on the inside of us at a regular, ba a regu regularly, all the time. It should spring up on the inside of us. But we get so busy, we get so cluttered, we get so much stuff going on, it just buries it, buries it, buries it, and you barely get a trickle. And you got to unearth it again. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And then there's times we don't want to remember. Because sometimes we remember, oh, the way things were. Oh, remember when I first got born? Oh, I remember how excited things were. Oh, you know, I just, but we don't want to remember that because it may show us our present deterioration. We may even feel shameful about where I'm at now and the way it was, and I was so excited about God. And what's happened to that excitement? Well, pastor, after a while, you get wise. <laughs> and in your quest to be wise, you became a... That's why you're on the front row. That's why I got no, no, it's, it, it has nothing to do with wisdom. What you do is you go back to being worldly smart is what happens. And you, instead of developing treasures, uh, spiritual treasures within you, we develop a mental Rolodex. Oh, I know the word. I know the word. The Rolodex is spinning, but what's coming out? It's easier sometimes to throw back dirt on the memories and put them out of our mind and keep them buried than to deal with what they show us. But Jesus said, make the decision, remember, dig the wells, and be awakened. Because although, you know, the Bible says, what about discipline? Momentarily, it's sorrowful. But it will produce the peaceable fruits of righteousness. So if I remember things and it shows up my current condition, that I'm not the way that it was, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going for God like I used to, or, you know, I don't have that excitement for the Holy Spirit like I ought to. Well, that may feel sorrowful for a moment, but if I deal with it, yeah. it'll bear, bear great things in my life. Isn't that right? So, so in order to strengthen what remains, we must go back and unearth the memories. Remembering the early days exposes the present day. When you remember you're going to wind up with two choices. The choice to strengthen what remains or decide to let it rot, wither, and perish by continue to neglect it and say, ah, forget about that. And it'll subtly become dead and it'll become clutter. 
You know, I told you about how uh, I used to take that time on Friday mornings and study and all. And then I decided just to go walking with my wife and her friend on Friday mornings. And I realized how I'm not getting that study time like I used to. And now that didn't seem like a big thing. It wasn't a sinful thing. It was certainly couldn't be a bad thing. You're spending time with your spouse. How could it be a bad thing? But it was. And I had to say, I have to stop the walking and go back to spending time. Because although it wasn't sinful, it was drawing me away. Remember what you have received and what you have heard. How many of you have still have an old, bi- old book called the Bible? Anybody? <laughs> you have a book? Yeah. And do they have a lot of writings in them and underlines in them? You ought to go back and read them. You ought to go back through them again and see, remember the thing. There's stuff that you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Go back. Remember what you have received and what you have heard. It is not time for itchy ears. It's not about new things. It's about getting the things that's already been deposited working in you. Fill back up with what you have. Amen. So he says, remember what you have received and heard and keep it. The word keep means to be a warden and a guard over it, to keep an eye on it, to watch it for the purpose of ultimately obeying it. Now, compare this to Jesus who has the seven spirits. The word has means to have a masterful grip. He has a masterful grip and cannot let loose of those seven of the seven spirits. Okay, so he's telling them you need to do the same thing because you haven't done this. You do not have a masterful grip. Now here, see, this is the difference between a spiritual treasure or a Rolodex. Do you have a masterful grip on what you have heard and what you have received? Or is it just in the Rolodex? You understand? So he's saying to keep it just like he told Adam in the garden, keep the garden, guard it, protect it, watch over it. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the forces of life. Watch what goes in, watch what comes out. Receive the right things in and the right things come out. Out of the good treasure will come the good things. But if I'm receiving bad things, then ultimately, after a while, bad things are going to come out. Amen? And this is why the Bible says about don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Why? Because bad company, if you continue to stay in the face of bad company, they will put wrong things in you. And after a while, it will corrupt and wrong things will come out of you. But yet it'll seem so normal. But it'll be wrong. Jesus had a masterful grip. And he's telling us the same thing. Have a masterful grip on what you have heard, what you have received. He says, keep it. Watch over it. Observe it attentively. Keep the eyes fixed on it. And keep it for the purpose of fulfillment. Don't keep it just to know it. This is why Christians get bored with the word. Well, I get so bored with the word. You know, I mean, mean, I've heard this. I mean, how many times do I have to hear it? Maybe until you get it. You know, I remember somebody came to uh, Brother Hagen after a number of years. He was teaching faith, 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 faith. And somebody came to Brother Hagen and said, Brother Hagen, when are you going to teach something different? 
He said, as soon as you get this, I'll teach something different. See, because in the educated mind, if I hear it, memorize it, I know it, but not in the Christian mind. You can hear it, you can memorize it, and you have no idea about it because you're not living it. You understand? So how can you get bored about hearing about faith when you're still running to the doctor? How can you get bored about hearing by fa about faith when you're still running to the medication? How can you say, oh, God's so good to me and he just heals me, but you're living on all kinds of medications, running to the doctor all the time, and just all kinds of stuff going on? Well, how can you get bored with hearing about faith? Because you think you know it, but you're not living it. Don't shout me down. If you do not fulfill, remember what you received and heard and keep it. Why? Because if you receive it and heard it, you're going to at least be talking it. And if you're talking it and not keeping it to doing it, you're speaking idle words. And for every, every one of those words you speak that said you believe it and don't do it, you will be judged for those. That's what Jesus meant by idle words. He doesn't mean jesting, laughing, and having fun, telling jokes, and oh, they're just, oh, those words are just empty words. No, the empty words are faith words that has no fulfillment. Those are empty words. When you say, well, I believe, but you don't do, that's an empty, idle word. This is serious stuff. We ought to observe what we've heard, perform it watchfully and vigilantly. When Mary would hear things about Jesus when Jesus was a child, even when they went to the uh, circumcision, and um, who was it, Zacharias was there? And who was the prophetess that was there? Was it Anna? Yeah. So there were things that were said over Jesus. And Mary, like, she heard those things, and she's, like, kind of like, you know, I, 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 you, you got to understand something here about the carnal mind. You know, Mary was not born again. Mary had a baby without a man involved. This tells you something's up. There's going to be something about that baby. I mean, the angel even says, and he will be known as the son of God. There's, something's up here. So they say things over Jesus, even at the circumcision, and, and Mary hears those things and ponders them in her heart. What could this be? See, that's the carnal mind. We think, you know, oh, if you just hear it and stuff, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll get it. No, no, the, the disciples walked with Jesus when he rose from the dead and he walked to them with them on the on the road up to Emmaus. And he asked them about what was going on. And they said, oh, you don't know what was going on. Let us tell you about what's happened. And Jesus said, do you not know that the Christ had to suffer these things? And they were like they were perplexed and didn't understand. And he said, oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe. Now, you would think they've lived with Jesus for three years. Mary had a baby without a man. Something's up here. Jesus is doing all these miracles. Everything is going. Something's up. 
But they didn't get it just like you wouldn't get it. How do you know we wouldn't get it? Because you're born again and you still don't get stuff. Right? We still don't get stuff. We're born again. We got the Holy Spirit living in us and we still don't get stuff. So would Jesus say to us, oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe? He could. Should he? No, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Because if he could, that means we need to step it up. He's coming soon. So how slow are we going to be? Why are we slow sometimes? Because we don't give our time to it. She pondered. The word pondered is an intensive word. It means she kept it, she protected it, and watched it in her heart. Which is exactly what we should do when we hear the word. Keep it, protect it, and watch it in our heart. But with the clutter of the world, the busyness of the times, and so many other things to be involved in, I don't remember. But yet, what's the number one thing he tells us to do? Remember what you have heard. Keep what you have heard. Protect it. Ponder it. Observe it. Watch over it. Watch it in your heart. It's not about hear it and then forget. When you remember, then be watchful. Watchful of the things you remember. Keep the things you remember. Guard what you remember and protect it. Keep it fresh in your heart. See, that's the difference between where we live today and where we lived when we first got born again. It was fresh. Today it's, I hate to say it, but many times it's stale bread. I heard that before. Oh, he's talking about finances again. Oh, they're talking about health, healing again. Is there anything else between finances? Between, there anything else besides healing and finances? Yeah, there is correction, but we don't want to hear that. <laughs> So, first thing, remember. Second thing, hold fast. When you remember and you hold fast, then what? You will realize you need to repent. Repent. It means a change of place or condition. And it means to exercise the mind. So, it means to change the condition or the place of your mind. Change the condition of your mind is what repenting means. Change your mind. Change the way you were thinking. Change the things you were doing. Choice in your mind, not in your emotions. Many people don't make choices like they should because they make them emotionally. And when you make an emotional cha uh, choice, as soon as that emotion changes, the choice changes. Make the, emo the change in your mind in the mental part of your soul, not the emotional part of your soul. It can overflow into your emotions, but it's, that's not the source of it. You don't, have to, you don't have to have an emotion to have true repentance. The proof of repentance is not an emotion. The proof of repentance is what? Change. Change is the proof. of. This is why John the Baptist said, keep with repentance to the bearing of fruit. Because when you change, now there's something to be seen for your repentance. He said, keep with that repentance until fruit bears out in your life. Change happens. Yes, 
Amen. So he says, remember, that's an exercise of the mind, the memory. He says, keep it. It's an exercise of the mind to focus and pay attention. And then he says, repent. It's an exercise of the mind to make a final decision to change. Everything is about the exercise of the mind. The mind set on the spirit is life. And that's what he's trying to do. Get your mind set on the things of the spirit. He's talking about regaining lost ground. Remember what you have received and heard. Remember how it was. Remember what you had. But now you've lost it. And I'm trying to get you to regain that lost ground. So Jesus is saying, wake up. He's actually saying, what is going on in your head? Get the right things back into your thinking. Remember how it used to be. Remember what you have heard and keep what you have heard and get the right things back into your thinking that will produce change of repentance in your life. And when you review repentance as a choice and not an emotion, then you become accountable to make the change. It's not about feeling like it. Because when it comes to change, I can guarantee you 90% of the time, you won't feel like it. But yet every time you will know you need to and you ought to, but you'll never feel like it. Only 10% of the time you'll feel like it. <laughs> and we won't go down that road. <laughs> so he says, therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So he's saying if you don't wake up, wake up from what? Complacency compromise if you don't wake up and give attention if you stay drowsy and slack i'm going to come as a thief what is a thief when does a thief come he comes in secret he comes when you least expect it he doesn't send you a text and say i'm on my way and the church knows exactly what jesus is talking about because just like the city it was overtaken at night by an enemy that snuck in through the cracks where they failed to watch the spiritual influence of a city will affect and produce the same effects in the church if you do not watch. Especially if you get smug and think you've got something together. That is pride and it starts before the... See, we know them all. We know all the sayings. We need to do them. I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. You will not know. Umem. You will not know. It's a negative expression. U means not and mem means not. Not, not. You will not, not know. It's a double negative which strengthens the denial that you will not know. You cannot know. It's an emphatic negation. Not at all. By no means. No way. No how. You're not even able to know. You'll never figure it out. I will come and you will not know. That means that we will never win playing the sleepy game. Because he'll come like a thief in the night. And you won't know when he comes. That's a strong statement. 
You know, those double negatives are very important when Jesus uses them. Now, Jesus may come, and he said several things like this through the churches um, that he's been speaking to so far. He might come as a thief in the night. He might come and fight against you with the sword of his mouth. He might remove the lampstand. He has said that to churches. He's already spoken to, I think, four, one, let's see, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, yes. So this is the fifth church he's talking to, all right? So four out of five had correction. Smyrna had no correction at all because they were the most persecuted church. They were under intense persecution. So in one sense, he says, I'll come as a thief. Another one, he says, I'll come and fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Another one, he says, I will remove your lampstand. Now, that does not mean he's going to remove the believers. Okay? He's not going to destroy the Christian. But sometimes a local church is so backslidden, he can no longer use it. That doesn't mean the church will cease to exist. It just can't be used anymore because the members of it are so backslidden. And therefore, the lampstand will be removed. And the lampstand is a symbol of the church. Okay? He had the stars in his hand. He stood among the lampstands, and he explained what the stars and the lampstands were. And he said, I will remove your lampstand. In other words, you'll no longer be a light. So people are not going to go to hell. They're not going to lose their salvation. But the church will be disbanded, scattered, and it will cease. But good news. Yeah. Verse 4. <laughs> but you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So there's still a remnant, a few people. There's the remnant. Jesus, Jesus notices even the few in number. He does not disregard the few in number. When... Um, uh, he about Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, he got Lot and his family out, you know, when it came to destroying the world with the flood, there was nowhere in his family. There is the few and the few saved the many. OK, but he's looking for the few. Why? Because the heart of the, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, seeking someone whose heart is faithful towards him. If there's one person that is a remnant, then he will move for that person. Jesus notices the few in number who have not soiled their garment. It means he has, they have not defiled their garment, not stained their garment, and not soiled it with the mud and filth. These have maintained their life. Now, when we talk about they have not soiled their garments, what do we talk about? Immorality, lasciviousness, drunkenness, all kinds of sin, murder. He hasn't talked anything about that to this church. He talked to them about what? Complacency. And he says complacency soils your garment. And complacency will cause you to lose out on the reward. But there are a few who have not soiled their garments 
with complacency. They maintain their life. So let me just say this to you. It is easier to maintain than it is to regain. It is easier to maintain than it is to regain. They both take work, but maintain, maintenance is easier. Now, I'll explain that even a little later. At the church of Ephesus, they left their first love and let go of doctrinal purity. In Pergamum, they yielded to persecution. In Thyatira, they gave place to false teachers. And Sardis moved into complacency. And they were all rebuked. Four out of these five churches were rebuked. They were all rebuked. It wasn't like one had a rebuke and one was like, you ain't too bad. They all got rebuked. Of course, whether you left your first love, whether you were yielding to persecution and compromising, whether you were giving yourself to the false teachers and moving in what they're telling you about, or whether you're complacent, it all gets rebuked by the Lord. Why? Because it's all a path of compromise. And Jesus is not happy with that. In the book of Jude, chapter 1, he talks about those that have soiled themselves with the flesh. The word flesh, and that's a Jude uh, one twenty three. But that word flesh is the Greek word socks, and it means the sensuous nature of man. It is a mere human nature without divine influence, and it's prone to sin, and it's opposed to God. So when... The Lord left Pharaoh when it says that he hardened his heart. What it meant was he left Pharaoh to himself. And Pharaoh would, out of the normal course of his own nature, harden his heart towards God. Because the mere human nature without divine influence is prone to sin and is opposed to God. That's why when Jesus said, and this is why, you know, Christians have a hard time with this. If you, being evil, know how to give good to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Well, I'm not evil. You are. Every single one of us are. We're all evil. We're mud. We're filth. We're dirt of flesh. And it's covered up all of the memories. And remember who Jesus was talking about when he said, if you be an evil, who was he talking to? You don't know. Okay. Jesus is walking through the streets and there is a crowd there. And he says, if you be an evil, know how to give good to your children. Who's he talking to? J. E. W S oh, a revelation. He's talking to the Jews. Didn't he always talk to the Jews? He always talked to the I know, I know. Gentile. No, he was Gentile with the Jews. Yes. No, but he was he was talking to the Jews, okay? But he was also talking to unregenerated people. And unregenerated people knew 
how to do good to their children, even though they're in an evil nature. Okay? And he's actually just talking about the mere human nature without divine influence. Just like in Sardis, they've forgotten what they were purified from. It's one thing to have sin in the flesh. It's another thing to have sin in your character. But it's yet another thing to have sin in your nature. You're a three-part being. You have a nature, you have a character, and you have flesh. We'll get there. Don't figure it out. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. They are worthy. Who made them worthy? Well, Jesus just picks who he thinks is worthy and who he thinks isn't worthy. No, no, not at all. The Bible is very clear with certain things that it says. Prove yourself a doer of the word. Show yourself approved to God. Prove the will of God, good, perfect, and acceptable. Prove to be his disciples by having love one for another. Paul proved obedient to the heavenly vision. Prove yourself blameless and innocent. Prove to be zealous for what is good. A product of having the mind, the soul, in agreement with the spirit. Our nature, when you got born again, you became a new creature in Christ spiritually. You took on a new nature. You, the, the old nature of the devil was washed away and the new nature of God came into you. Jesus made us worthy in spirit, in our nature. But then in our life, we prove ourselves worthy in life through the operation and functions of our soul or our character. We are not worthy of, it, it, when he says, for they are worthy, it's not about worthy of salvation. It's about worthy of usefulness. The Father qualified us in salvation. Through the blood of Jesus, you are qualified. Isn't that right? Isn't that what the Bible tells us? All right, so Father qualified us in salvation. So it's not about salvation when he says, for they are worthy. He's not talking about salvation. In fact, the white garments aren't even about salvation. They'll walk with me in white. It's not about being saved. He's talking to people that are saved. They'll walk with me in white, or it means that you will obtain a special position with Jesus in a place of personal fellowship. White is a symbolic of righteousness, victory, and glory. And you will walk with him personally. Amen. Verse 5, he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, white garments, okay? Now, this was a picture of Persian kings, people that were proven faithful. They were examined. I know we don't like that. Well, you, why, you, why do you have to examine me? Because you need examination. I mean, people don't even like it. You know, like if you're... Um, in some kind of a setting, and the person that's over you wants to come in and observe what you're doing. People don't like that. Why not? Aren't you doing right? Why don't you like that? 
Are you doing something wrong? People don't like to be observed. Well, that's a little hard in the Christian, in the kingdom of God. He's observing all the time. He's looking all the time. And he's noticing all the time. So people that were proven faithful, they were examined, they were scrutinized and proven committed to the king. And they were dedicated. They were given white garments. And because of the white garments that was given to them and they were proven faithful, they were invited to the king's home. They could go and talk with the king. They'd walk with the king in his garden together with him. And what's Jesus saying here? You're going to earn a place with Jesus where you will walk with him in fellowship in eternity. And you'll be useful. Your usefulness on this earth is but momentarily, but usefulness will be in eternity. You think your days of doing stuff is done when you leave here? <laughs> you just getting started. You got all eternity. And the sun don't never go down. <laughs> there is no sleeping. <laughs> but we won't be carrying around this old flesh either. <laughs> So, earning a place with Jesus, not in salvation, but in a place of usefulness, being a vessel of gold. God gives stronger anointing to those that are established in him in personal holiness. Walks in practical righteousness, not just the imputed righteousness, but practical righteousness of life. So, just think about that for a moment, that you get dressed in white garments, given a special place that you can come to the house of the king. See, now, we always talk about rewards in heaven. Not everybody gets to go to the house of the king. <laughs> These are certain rewards that are given to people that prove themselves. You get to go to the house of the king. You get to walk with Jesus. You know, I know you probably think Brother Copeland would be something else to be able to walk and talk with. But we're talking about Jesus here. Now, just think about that. Then the next thought is, do I want complacency to rob me of that? For my complacency will be but momentary. But my walking with Jesus will be eternal. Do I want momentary complacency? to rob me of that eternal place in Jesus. That's how we have to think about things. You always have to think about things in the scheme of eternity. He'll be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Oh, this has been a killer for so many people. I will not blot his name out or erase his name from the book of life. Well, you see that if you don't live right, you lose your salvation. You're out. You get your name erased. You're not in the book of life anymore. You're done. That's what the hardcore, no, hard nosed, hardcore, religious, dead works people want to tell you. But run over to Revelation 20, verse 12 for a moment. Revelation 20, verse 12.
And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. So what's in the book of life? Deeds. It's not a book about whether you are deserving of life. It's a book about your life. It's a book of deeds. Revelation 21, 27. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, this is the book about salvation. Those that are saved. Okay. So you see, there's different books and have different meanings. So if we go back over then to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, where he's talking about the church in Sardis, and he says, And he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. What is Jesus talking to the church of Sardis about? Complacency. Your works are not completed. Dead works. Works of wood, hay, and straw is what he's talking about. Dead works. So when he's talking about, I will not erase his name from the book of life, it would be better to say, I will not erase his name from the book about his life. But those who have been walking with Jesus, they're not complacent. They're not just hearing the word. They're keeping the word. They're doing the word. They are what the word says. The righteous live by faith. Why does it say the righteous lives by faith? If you don't live by faith, how do you live? Flesh. And anything that's of flesh is sin. Anything that is of flesh or anything that is not of faith is sin. Because if it's not of faith, it is flesh. And sin is in the flesh. So if I'm doing things by the flesh, I'm doing things by sin. Now, it doesn't mean I'm out there sinning. What it means is sin is controlling my life. And I'm not doing what the word says, being the righteous, living by faith. Because I'm living by flesh. Now, before you beat yourself up over that, there's nobody living perfectly by faith. You know, there's all things that we all have going on. You know, there's flesh and there's faith going on in all of our lives. The only difference is, are you going to be complacent about the flesh? Are we going to do something about it and get out of that? That's the only thing. Are you going to remain there or are we going to push forward? Are we going to let flesh and sin continue to dominate our life? And, sin, and, and when we're talking about sin, we're not even talking about breaking the Ten Commandments. We're just talking about living out of the flesh, apart from the influence of God. Those walking with Jesus will have their name kept in the book about a life of living works or completed faith. And they open that book, it'll be like, let's see the completed faith. Let's see the living faith. Let's see the completed works. Because that's what he's talking to Sardis about. So even if everybody else was to miss it, he said, there's a few. 
Well, even if there was just one, if you were the only one, the promise is still to you. Amen. So the complacency that Jesus is talking about to the church of Sardis is faith without action. Faith without action. They forgot what you heard, so there's no way you can do it because you forgot it. You have heard it, you got it, but then you forgot it, so you're not doing it. And you're complacent about it because you think you know these things. Oh, everybody says, oh, look at them. Oh, they're so alive. Oh, they look so good. Look at, oh, what words coming out of their mouth. They got, oh, I never heard of what godly words they have coming out of their mouth. But they're dead because they don't do nothing with it. That's what Jesus is saying. So you could say he's talking to a church of Pharisees. That had all the flowing words. Looked really good. Out on the street corners. Everybody knew. Oh, they were the holy one. They didn't do nothing that they said. And Jesus would say, you hypocrites. That's what he could say to Sardis. You say all these nice things and everybody has such wonderful comments about you. Because they just love the words you speak. But you have no action behind. You don't do what you say. You're an orator, not a doer of the word. That's the complacency that he's talking about. Thinking that hearing is enough. Well, I go to church every week. I mean, I go two times a week. Sometimes I go three times a week. But, you, you know, and I hear, 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 and I hear. And we think hearing is enough. And we approve of ourselves because we heard. I heard the word this week. And I approve myself because I heard. <laughs> but Jesus isn't approving unless you do it. All that stuff you said you heard, if you're not doing it, Jesus is not approving of anything you heard. Because you didn't do it. Your works are not completed. Your faith is not completed. It's idle words. It's idle words. You could hear a whole church sermon. You could go home and you could repeat the whole church sermon. You can go home and tell somebody about the whole sermon that you heard, everything about it. And they'll be so impressed about everything you told them. But if you don't do it, they're the only one that's impressed. Jesus is not, unless you do it. Ponder, ponder. What if we were to come out of a church split? Somebody came out of a church split. What if there was problems within a church? Maybe you went to a number of churches and there were problems in those churches. Maybe you got hurt by people. Maybe disappointments happened and just threw you for a loop. Well, you can come become complacent about the word of God about prayer, about assembling together. You can become complacent about forgiveness, complacent about sowing, about meditating on the word, about praising God, about giving thanks to the Lord on a regular basis. Remember, complacency was not that they didn't do, but that their works were dead. Dead works without faith, and without the Holy Spirit. We can all look good. 
but Jesus looks at the heart. Didn't he tell that to Samuel when all of Jesse's sons came out? And the Lord said to Samuel, God doesn't judge as man judges. God looks upon the heart. It's not about the show out here. It's about what's in here, whether it's gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw. But yet, if we maintain our heart condition and do not back off or grow complacent, Jesus has a promise for us. Glory to God. Our words, our works rather, will be remembered and they will not be blotted out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want my, the book about my life to be like a new book, a new notebook I buy over at Marshall's or Walmart or something. You open it up and nothing but blank pages. Uh, I don't, you know, <laughs> you got anything in that book? <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I don't want that to happen. No, our works will be remembered and they'll not be blotted out. And all the works that are remembered are works that was not done in vain. What are works that are done in vain? Good works with no faith. Good works without the Holy Spirit involved. Good self-willed works are vain works. But if not done in vain, it's going to be kept in the book of remembrance, a memorial, a memorial. Amen. And he says, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. In other words, Jesus says, if you hold to my name, I'll hold to yours. You remember me, I'll remember you. Amen. Amen. Verse 6. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is looking for an ear to hear, to understand, to perceive, not one that is dull in heart. He's not looking for a foolish one that is slow in heart to believe. He's looking for somebody that has an ear that will hear. Even if you don't understand it, if you don't know, you need to hear it. You need to give yourself to it. You may say, I don't really know anything of what was just said about that church. But that's why you go back and have to hear it and hear it and hear it and ponder it and ponder it so that it can come alive on the inside of you. Amen. He's speaking to the churches. He is not speaking to unbelievers. He's looking for somebody that will have their heart and their life affected by what they hear. How many times do we read? How many times have we heard and not understood? We can now understand what we've heard. The Holy Spirit has laid it out for us. He's given us step by step. This last two weeks just shown it and opened it all up to us. We have heard enough. We can ponder it. We can keep it. We can meditate on it and enough to affect our life. We've heard enough so we can make decisions. We've heard enough so we can make choices. We, can ha we have enough to say, I'm not going to remain in this place I am. I'm going to start stepping forward. I'm not going to be complacent any longer. Amen. Amen. And you need to keep hearing it and hearing it because like 
the, like John the Baptist said, keep with repentance to the bearing of fruit. So we have to keep hearing it and hearing it until I can see it's affecting my life. Are you with me? It's easier to maintain ground than it is to regain lost ground. Neither one is impossible. But listen, you remember when you were excited, when you were on fire for God? And everything just flowed, didn't it? It just flowed. See, that's why it's easier to maintain, because it's easier just to stay in that flow and let things just flow. But when things start to die, and then you've got to wake up and regain ground, now it's going to take even more work to do that. You've got to set your will. You've got to make decisions. You've got to make choices before you just got in the flow. Now, people say, oh, I just want to be back in that flow again. Then make the choice, set your will, and do what you need to do, and you'll get back in there again. It's going to take some work because you've developed certain habits that must be changed. But you can do it by grace through faith. All you have to do is declare what the Word of God says, get it in your heart, get it in your mouth, let it affect your life, and by faith in what God says, that will release grace and enable you to walk down that path and take hold of everything that Jesus just told you about. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift your hands to the Lord. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. We glorify you, Lord. We give you all praise. We magnify your name. We bless you forevermore. You are the glorious king. You are the living one, the eternal one. Oh, I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for your life, that you were the lamb that was slain. You were the lamb that was raised for my justification. Oh, I thank you, Lord Jesus. You've delivered my life out of the pit. You've set me on high, seated me in heavenly places. Thank you, Lord, that you are my Lord. You are my king. You are my everything. I bless you, I honor you, and I glorify you, Lord Jesus, this day and all days. For there is none like you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to seal these things on the inside of us. That they will not be forgotten. That they'll not be put on a shelf. That they'll not be put to the side. But you'll continue to bring them up on the inside of us. To remind us that we would reflect. That we would ponder. That we would meditate and muse over. Holy Spirit, that we would take these things and put them deeper and deeper and deeper in our heart, out of the, uh, out of the reach of the enemy. Father, we desire to be the people you want us to be. We are your people. We are your children. And you have given us everything that we need that pertains to life and pertains to living life in a godly way. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to take hold of these things. Help us to put off what needs to be put off and take on what, needs to, what we need to take on. And I thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough. And it is by the anointing of your spirit, by the power of your word, and by the setting of our will and making the choice that we can step into these things. And as we do make the decision, it will become easier and easier and easier 
and easier. I thank you for that, Lord. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I hope you prayed with us on live stream on that or on podcast. I mean, these things getting into our heart is what these are the kinds of things that change our lives, that moves us up to a higher level and moves us up into a greater position in the Lord and a greater usefulness to God in the things that he would have us to do. So do not ever think that your distance means that you're not within reach of the Spirit of God. He is right there with you like he is right here with us. And there is no distance in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share your word tonight. But it's even a greater opportunity to hear your word. And we can take that word, get it in our heart, get it in our mouth, get it in our decisions, and get it in our life. Oh, I thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need to memorize everything. But one word can change our life. Lord, we thank you for that. As we come before you with our giving, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow. And we thank you, Father, that you watch over your word to perform it. That you said that there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. So as we give tonight, we declare over our seed, I am one that gives and I am increasing all the more. We thank you for it, Father, and bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody declare it. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 So, folks, on live stream, podcast, if you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, you can go to the website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and you can click on the giving link, and um, you can just um, sow your seed online. We thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. And I know it's been a lot of weeks since we've been together. So if there's anything at all that we can pray with you about, please let us know. Send us an email. Text me. Just let me know. Uh, call the church, and uh, we'll get praying for you because we believe God for your needs to be met. Amen. Amen.